Welcome, Phoenix fans, to another episode of The Burning Burn. I'm Steve Leinert. I'll be doing the color commentary for the Philadelphia Phoenix on AUDL.TV once the season starts. I'm joined by my friend and everybody's favorite Phoenix personality, Alexander Shaggy Shregas. Shag, how you doing today, buddy? Man, I am uh, doing strange. You know, camp has started. It's unlike anything I've ever experienced um, because... Right, obviously. So it's it's it was a long and strange day, but I think I'm getting the swing of things. So what what do you mean it was a camp that started? Like, what are you are you working a camp now today? Or are you working full time? Yeah, yeah, I'm a full time. You know, back to being a full time taking care of children job. Oh, what what did you do today? Anything fun? Uh, <laughs> I mean, the kids had fun, right? That's what's important. We got to go in the pool. We had archery and sports, which was. Like, each kid gets their own football and throws it for distance. Uh, we played this pretty sweet game, actually, which, like, I kind of schooled the kids at. You know, they're 11 and 12 and 13, so it's not like they're, they're little kids. They're pretty old. But you uh, jumped to different places and put, like, a piece of paper down, and then we played horse. So, you know, the next person had to try and do those same jumps. And uh, I'm the best. 11-year-old, had all the 11-year-olds, so kudos to me. <laughs> Good job. Good job by you, Shag. Thank you. And how was, how was, your, uh, how was uh, Father's Day for you? Was it okay? Yeah, it was pretty good. I called my dad. He uh, told me some stories about his dad, which, you know, seemed like what he wanted to do. So, you know, it was nice. I actually uh, went disc golfing with my, uh, with my son and uh, the Eulenbergs yesterday and uh i hit a rather incredible shot with a lid at kenilworth on hole number eight and oh, wow. it was a uh it was about a 50 to 60 yard flick birdie with a lid and Ooh. this thing this thing it was into a headwind and it slammed some it slammed the chains man it was it was pretty strong i was pretty happy with it to be honest yeah i mean you were with the Eulenberg, so i'm sure they gave you all the hype that you did it <laughs> no no it was they were uh, they were they were very shocked when they heard that thing hit the chains and go in. There were people, there were other people walking by, random people that were like, "Wow, nice shot!" That was that was really good. To, that was really that really made me feel good. So, <laughs> well, anyway, uh, we are joined in this episode by a very special guest, Ken Porter, former player coach of the Detroit Mechanics and. Uh, he also played for the uh, former Charlotte team in the AUDL. Ken, thanks for coming on the Burning Bird. Hey, thanks for having me, Gus. Hey, how, how was your Father's Day? That was pretty good. I went up to uh, the Raleigh area to spend some time with my dad. I uh, took my two-year-old daughter with us, um, and uh, we just kind of hung out, ate a bunch, laughed a bunch. Uh, we went fishing for about an hour and a half in, like, 95-degree weather. Didn't catch a thing, but uh, it was still fun. Well, that's, that's the whole point of Father's Day is to have fun with your dad, right? You Absolutely. Know, and that's what I was—I uh, was happy my eight-year-old son was was there to uh, to witness my uh, my big throw there uh, yesterday. So I was very happy for that, and uh, I'm very happy that Shaggy's back working full time. I know he, he's probably not, but that's uh, that's big for him. So that's really cool. So, what do you uh, what do you do for a living? Um, I work at the uh, the YMCA here in Charlotte. Um, I am kind of over health and wellness um, and in some aspects with teen fitness. Um, I run a teen leadership program here at this Y, um, and my main focus with health and wellness is member engagement. 
So, but oh. at the Y, we wear lots of hats. So that's what <laughs> my, my title is like is, is is a lot shorter than that. But that's what I actually do. <laughs> I've been a uh, I've been working at uh, at JCC for a number of years now, and I can oh, yeah. to the wearing a lot of hats. I keep oh, yeah. getting put in different positions to try and do things. <laughs> I don't know if it's a if it's a nonprofit thing or if it's just the nature of like a community center kind of kind of business. All right, well, let's talk about how you uh, got into Ultimate there, Ken. You started playing at NC State. Yeah, go pack. Yeah, well, well, I went to East Carolina, so we'll have to talk about that in a moment. But, uh, <laughs> uh, but uh, you, you, how did you get started playing ultimate? Um, I uh, when I enrolled at NC State, we, you know, they do the the freshman symposium kind of thing. Um, I had no intentions at all of playing ultimate. Um, I'd actually planned to do some uh, some football, some varsity football and soccer, um, and I think. Uh, I want to say it was one of the guys on the team that, that saw me at that freshman symposium um, offered uh, some free pizza for coming out to a uh, a pickup tournament that State was hosting. Uh, and as a new college freshman, I thought that was plenty of reason to go see whatever this thing was all about. Yeah, yeah um, just smart. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, so I went to this pickup tournament. Um, that we, they made teams on the spot. Uh, each team had a a current member of the of the men the women's team at the time, um, and they ordered pizza for everybody at the end of it. So that's that was my first exposure to ultimate frisbee outside of like what you play on on the field at the Y, which isn't which isn't really a frisbee. What made you stick around? Um, did it, did they keep feeding you free pizza? <laughs> we did have a we had a sponsorship with a uh, a local a local bar um, that that hooked us up with some food occasionally. So that was nice. Um, I've, I've just, every sport I've played, I've always been uh, more on the uber competitive side. I'm, well, absolutely on the uber competitive side, uh, and I realized that I could be good at it. Um, at, at the time, there weren't a whole lot of athletes, um, so while I couldn't throw a frisbee for, I was going to say, I don't know if I can curse on air, but uh, I couldn't throw a frisbee very well at all um, for like I don't know, maybe the first four or five years of my ultimate career. Um, but what I could do really well. Uh, there weren't a whole lot of people at the time that could do that. So uh, I stuck around and, and figured it out and got better and better. You seem to be a very fast uh, player. Uh, you ran a four six four forty, which was the fastest 40 at the time. Yeah, that was a, um, that was at Club Nationals, I want to say maybe oh, 2015 or 16. Okay. Um, that Tim Morrill with uh, more performance had done. This isn't intended to be a humble brag, but uh, that was that was tested at the end of, I think that was like Saturday or Sunday of Nationals. So we had, that was the old format where we played Thursday, Friday, Saturday, and Sunday. Um, so I know that from football it's a little bit faster, but 4.66 is still fun. <laughs> so, uh, that's, uh, that's pretty fast. Have you always been fast? Uh, yeah, I um, I was actually talking to somebody recently. I think I've always been fast. I didn't really know how to, you know, like when you're awkward kids, I think it, you'll you'll probably relate to this from working with 11, 12, and 13-year-olds, uh, where you can see the potential athleticism in a kid, but they can't really put it all together because they're, maybe they're long and lanky and awkward and don't know how to work their body. Uh, oh, yeah. I, I was never long, <laughs> long or lanky. I was just a short, skinny kid, um, and I just couldn't really figure out how to move my limbs until, um, I want to say just like travel soccer, maybe in the middle school days. My uh, my cousin, who's on the U.S. Uh, I think he's he's 15 now, so the U.S. U16 team for soccer. 
Um, yeah. He's, you know, the best athlete in my whole family by miles. But until he was 14, I could still beat him in soccer because if I ever got fed up with him, I would just, like, pick him up and start dribbling. <laughs> uh, and he didn't have a chance. <laughs> he's, Whatever yeah, no, I got, yeah, right, exactly. <laughs> so after you uh, were playing at NC State, uh, did, and did you go right to play for Ring of Fire, or what was that transition like? Yeah, there was actually a little bit of overlap. Um, I tried out for Ring of Fire in 2008, um, so that was my first year uh, playing with the team. So I was in college from 05 to 2010. Uh, I was fortunate enough to suppose, well, I was supposed to graduate during that uh, that lovely housing market crash that we all kind of went through. Um, so I added a Spanish minor to kind of delay the inevitable a little bit and got a fifth year. Um, but 08 was my first year playing ring. Um, so I had a really cool overlap with uh, elite club and um, we like to consider ourselves an elite college team. Um, so it was, it was cool to provide a little uh, experience with that. Uh, and is what I learned in the club season in a college, college season. What, um, what was your highest finish at NC state at, uh, at, uh, at college nationals um at college nationals i think our highest finish was maybe tied for 13 13 to 15 something like that um in 2009 uh but we did have a year in 2007 i think we were um i guess we we got we got banned in the postseason for some uh illegitimate paperwork something like that Got an issue with sending our our uh, approved roster to USAU on time, um, but I think that team, I know for a fact that team probably would have finished higher than that. Um, I think we were top, at least top ten at postseason rankings, pre regular post regular season rankings at that point. Yeah, I know that NC State is normally in the uh, normally in the top twenty five or the upper echelon of the uh, of the uh, college series, so it's uh, yeah. they are an impressive team. Yeah, we had a little bit of a drought um, that I think they broke not this past year, but the year before that. So it was good to see them back at back in the show. That's got to be a tough region in college. Oh man, it was awful. Now. It was yeah. awful. I I joke with a lot of my uh, my former AC region guys. I don't. I think it's at Southeast now. Um, but we looked back at like my graduating class at some of the guys, like some of the studs on the AC teams. Georgia had Dylan Tunnell at a, at one point in time. Um, they had Pete Dempsey um, on, you know, on on UNC Wilmington. You had Rusty and Goldsmith, who I think has won like three club championships. Um, you had Brian Casey, who played with me on ring. Um, Virginia had some ballers: uh, Roy Matthews, Ian Toner, uh, Matt King, uh, and then Chapel Hill was was loaded. I hate saying that. On, can we cut that out of the podcast? I don't want to give them any. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, so they had they had some guys that that other school. Duke had a couple guys that played with me on ring eventually. Um, ECU even. Um, I'll give you I'll give you a shot here. Joey Cotella, Shane Cisco, uh, Ben Dieter. Oh um, yeah. All of those guys eventually found their way to ring. So it it was weird. We didn't have like the teams weren't known on a nationwide scale um, just because we. It, we it was like the West of the NBA. Like you, there's teams you're not going to see in the playoffs or in, in, in the Western Conference Finals because they they went through battle before and got knocked off by some other team. Um, unfortunately, during my my five years at State, we were that team that got knocked off more times than not. <laughs> 
All right. Well, you, you seem to be very North Carolina centric there. How did you end yeah. up in? De- how did you end up in Detroit? Uh, that is also a funny story. Um, I remember, I loved the idea of of professional movement, which at the time was a, it was like you either hate it or you don't. It was almost like a, uh, like baseball and hockey when they changed the rules and all the purists were like, no, get that out of here. We don't want any part of that. Um, so I remember a lot of like. A lot of people that I played with were like, no, you can't do that. That's not ultimate. It's not real. Um, I didn't really care. I just wanted to play. Um, I remember sending a, a note to, like, the AEDL, like, help or, or reach out comments on their webpage. And I was like, hey, when are you, like, you guys are all up in the Midwest. Like, when Midwest and the West Coast, when, when are you guys getting down to North Carolina? Is again, a North Carolina bias moment, thinking that any any professional team in North Carolina can beat anybody. Um, so, it's <laughs> As a result, one of the guys reached out uh, was the GM and owner of the Detroit team. Um, and so kind of through communication, he said, uh, found out that, that that person had the rights for one of the North Carolina teams that was upcoming. Um, sold me on moving up there to figure out how business worked uh, to help jumpstart it when it came down to North Carolina. Um, and uh, I took the bait. Um, it also worked out. My, my parents are both initially from Detroit, so I've got a lot of family up there, um, which was uh, was definitely a, a, a deal sweetener. What was it like playing for the mechanics? It was different. Um, uh, it was it was just different. Um, we were the team was kind of spread out from all over the place, um, so coordinating practices was usually a little bit difficult. Um, you know, like when you're coming into this and not really knowing what, what to expect from the AEPL setup, uh, coordinating practices proved a little difficult until the season started. So we would do like practices on Friday night for a Saturday game kind of thing. But for the most part, they were all awesome guys. I still actually keep in touch with a few of them. Um, but it was it was a good time. Learned a lot while I was up there. Well, we, we've had a player coach here in Philadelphia, Trey Katzenbach. And, uh, oh, Trey. <laughs> yeah, everybody knows Trey. Yeah. And and uh, we, we just interviewed a a player coach, a former player coach from the Pittsburgh Thunderbirds, Pat Hammond. Uh-huh. How, how, how tough was it to be a player coach performing both of those roles at the same time? Yeah, it's very, it's very difficult. Um, I'm not going to lie and say that I did it perfectly all the time because I, I know for a fact that I didn't. Um, I, I'm a I'm a kind of uh, prepare ahead of time person, um, so I would try to plan a game plan with the other coaches, uh, Andrew Lucarati and Ben uh, Ben Murphy. Um, but kind of when it came to, when it came down to the game, uh, we would go through one or two iterations of it, and if it didn't work, we'd blow it up and just more or less play hero ball. Um, which, if you're the coach and trying to implement some strategy, that doesn't really help include everyone on the team. Um, so I. For sure, I guess we for sure did that. Um, so, was the was the main culprit. Um, but it's it's difficult to kind of watch cues of the other team and watch the nuances of what different people are doing to kind of set your team up for success. Um, it's it's not something I would readily sign up for again. I would have to give it a lot of thought. Um, but it was like again, it was still a still a fun learning experience. Um, and I enjoyed, enjoyed my time doing it. We talked a lot on the Phoenix Files about how Trey, as a player coach, like, you kind of wanted him to choose the role because him as a coach, I mean, you could see, like, the program, the 
that he was building and what the ideas he was going. And him as a player, like, doesn't matter how old he is, he was still performing out there. But doing both, he couldn't handle it. Yeah, he wanted to choose. Yeah, do you – like, if you – I mean, back then, maybe it's a little easier. But now, you know, if you're given the choice, what do you think you would end up choosing? Uh, can I ask a, uh, a leading question? Am I healthy? And what year is it for me? Well, how do you feel now? I feel great now. I haven't played ultimate in like four years. <laughs> <laughs> I am injury free right now. Um, so it's right, it's right now. Yeah, if you were if you're asking like 2013, 14 version of me, I'm actually I'm gonna 100 percent choose play. Um, uh, some of my some of my good ultimate friends like to call me washed right now. Um, so now I'd probably lean towards coach. Um, I like to think I still got some. <laughs> How was the uh, transition to Charlotte's team, and and what happened there? Um, I I if I had to choose between the two, I think I I enjoyed my time with Charlotte more so than I did Detroit. Um, outside of outside of the family being in Detroit, kind of thing. Um, but it was just it felt it felt more like home. Um, the the guys that were playing on the team with me, um, I've for the most part, I knew a lot of them from years of playing with or against each other. Um, the people in the stands, as far as the fans, um, I, I knew a lot of them, or at least recognized them from the ultimate, ultimate scene and families. Um, so it just it felt a little bit more personal. Um, also, a whole lot easier for my parents to come watch me as opposed to uh, buying a plane ticket. Um, so it just felt a little bit more intimate. So I, I definitely enjoyed the uh, the Charlotte team. Uh, more so than I did the Detroit for that reason. What was the what was the nickname of that Charlotte team? What... Uh, well, so we, the team name was Express. Um, I guess we we had our own nicknames within the team that are probably are not appropriate for a podcast. Um, <laughs> <laughs> um, we had yeah we had fun. We had a lot of fun, um, and I think that was all our results on the field didn't really they weren't always what we were looking for. Um, that was one of the closest closer knit teams that I've been on. Um, we uh, we we fought through a lot, whether we were up or down on teams, or how big we were down on teams, because there was there was not a not a lot of winning, uh, but we battled back and came back from from some deficits that we had no business coming back from, solely because of how close we were. Okay, so you so you had a good time in Detroit, you had an even better time in Charlotte, but that that team had the fold. How come you never played for the Flyers? Uh, it, with the travel, it was just a lot. Um, I think by the time the, the, that I was playing with Charlotte and then they folded, um, I, I was a newlywed. Uh, so I think my wife and I were probably together for maybe three, two, three years at that point. Um, and I was already traveling up there all, all the time for uh, ring practices. So kind of committing to do that all year round and give up my weekends was was a tough ask. Um, so I, I enjoyed the, even though Charlotte didn't perform as well. And I was, uh, you know, like an artist may check me on this, but I, I think I would have made the flyers. Um, <laughs> uh, I, it was just, it was a lot to, a lot to commit to with the travel. Being a travel player is tough. <laughs> no, yeah, no, no kidding. Being a travel player is real tough. It wears on you pretty, pretty quickly. Yeah. Um, 
but you uh all right so but you still you're still getting your ultimate fix to this day as as a, a coach at Davidson College you want to how did you how did you transition into that job and how's that been going for you um I got a it was a completely random for me at least uh completely random email from at the time uh I it was 2014 um but the two of the three captains reached out in the email um at some point in the fall season and said hey you know, we're looking at possibly bringing on a coach for this season, um, and you know, we're very familiar with who you are. You're in the Charlotte area. Would you would you be inter- interested in coming to check us out, uh, coaching? Um, but then they they also added in that like that I would have been the first coach they've ever had, um, which was uh, it was pretty cool for me. Like the level the bar was set pretty low. Um, okay. <laughs> Well, I helped out at UNC Charlotte prior to moving up to Detroit. Um, I hadn't coached a college team by myself. And I wouldn't say that I was really an X and O's guy. Um, I, I kind of let my uh, let my athleticism kind of do most of my work. Um, so it was it was pretty cool. Um, I, it was fun. We we did that, for, like I said earlier, we did that first kind of uh, consulting uh, process for that first year uh, for the spring. Uh, they were able to get to nationals, which was – Pretty big feat considering four years before that they actually had a vote on whether they wanted to go to regionals or not. Um, and, and ever since then we've been trending upwards. Uh, got some some pretty 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 cool studs that have come through the program. Um, some, a lot of which I still have the blessing of talking to and having in, having in our lives. Um, but D three is definitely different than a than traditional D one, and also being a liberal arts school. With, that version of a college kid is different than the college kid that I went to, but all, all still great. Where do you guys think you would have finished this season? Oh, that this past season, that was that was one of the best stuff teams I've coached. We also had a kid, uh, in Dustin Smith. Uh, if you we called him Dusty, but if you look back at our video, um, we had one game filmed in March of this year. Um, he would have been a finalist for Player of the Year. Uh, had we been able to finish the season, you were talking about a player who you thought would have won uh, yeah. Player of the Year. Yeah, Dustin Smith, uh, number forty-five this past year, I think would have. I would have been shocked had he not finished top three for Player of the Year had we finished the season. Mm-hmm. Um, that being said, selfish plug, uh, come to Davidson. Um, we, like I said, it's a it's a liberal arts school, um, so it's, it's definitely for certain certain kids and not for others. Which I, I'm not for going to any school just for Frisbee. Um, but if you do happen to come to Davidson or you're interested in playing Frisbee at Davidson, please come. We like, we like to have fun. We, uh, we are always a sneaky competing team. Uh, we don't, the way that we build, we don't look like much in the fall, but, uh, we, we put in some work in the spring. What goes into that transition from the fall to the spring for you as a coach? Um, honestly, it's, it's really the opposite of what I wanted to happen for every team I've ever played on. Uh, just again, going, being being an uber competitor, uh, being okay with the the lumps and bruises and losing in the fall, um, for the benefit of building depth, uh, is is really what it is. So like we'll play, we'll play some of our returners out of position so they get experience at other positions. We'll play uh, new guys in positions and situations that maybe they shouldn't shouldn't or wouldn't be in otherwise. Um, so that whenever, you know. Let's let's say we do have like our one of our uh, our main handlers for offense, Aiden, goes down, and hey, you know, next up, it's not like a 
well, shoot, I've never, I've never been the hub of a of her offense before. Um, so it's it's really what it is in the in the fall is just kind of building building that depth and confidence, um, and then watching it flourish. Hopefully sooner than later in the fall season, or sorry, in the spring season. Um, sometimes it's early on that we get to see the players blossom into what they could be, and then sometimes it's like on day two of regionals and and then you see it click form. So that's that's a little bit stress more stressful as a coach. But as long as we get there, I'm usually happy. Well, you've coached Davidson. You've played for the Mechanics. You've played for the Express. You've played for Ring and NC State. For for Ken Porter, when you go when you lay your head on the pillow at night, what is your what is your favorite game you've ever played in, and why? Uh, that's a good or, question. Or or coached in. Um, I think my favorite game that I played in. Oh, that's tough. Uh, I might take it back to college. So in 2009, when State made it to nationals, um, again, kind of how the AC region used to be like a gauntlet. Uh, so we're on day two of regionals. We had got beat by Georgia uh, on Saturday. That kind of knocked us out of contention. Uh, well, it sent us to uh, the backdoor bracket. Um, so that was a tough loss. But on Sunday morning, we we have to get past. Uh, I think it was Tennessee that maybe had. Um, couple of, at the time, unknown guys ended up playing a lot of club. Um, and then, so we got past Tennessee, and then we had to beat Wilmington that had to go, that went to, I think they went to Nationals the two prior years, um, with like three or four all-region guys, Brian Casey, um, Jarrett Bowen, Rusty and Goldsmith, all three of those guys were on that team that ended up playing rings uh, with me at some point. So we got past them somehow, um, and then our, our reward for that was the game to go um, against University of Florida, which had Brody Smith, Chris Gibson, Cole Sullivan. Um, there's a bunch. Uh, Travis Lee, actually, I just got his first name. And a bunch of ballers on that team. I think they were, like, number one coming into the finals. Uh, everyone's picked to win nationals. And I was like, hey, how bad do you guys want this? you got to beat this team. Um, and somehow we pulled it out of our butts. Uh, all, all, three of those, uh, all three of those games. Um, but that last one against against Florida was a lot of fun, um, specifically because we always hated those guys, Wilmington and Florida. Because um, when you when you do like to compete and you see the same teams over and over again, kind of develop bad blood uh, for no reason other than playing against each other all the time. Uh, later on, later on, I would get to know Brody and Cole and Chris a lot better, um, and, and found out that they're, they're pretty awesome people. Um, so yeah, that that '09 game for me is in the game to go as a player. Uh, was one of my favorite games as a coach. We played at uh, D3 Eastern. Um, I want to say this was my first school year working with Davidson, 2015. Um, we were playing Indiana Wesleyan, I think it was. With Travis Carpenter was their stud. Uh, like when the guy when the guy's a stud in the ABL and he plays in D3, like. His, his stud level from AEGL is like multiplied by ten at a, at a D three level, um, but they were uh, they were up pretty big on us, um, and it was a slow game because it was really windy. Um, so they took half on us, uh, like seven to two. It was not we weren't doing well at all. Uh, or sorry, they, they didn't take half on us seven to two. They, they had a they had a good four to five point lead, and then I just kind of rolled the dice and switched up coaching strategy. Um, and we ended up going, I want to say it was like a six, 
to one run uh, to come back, and it was I've never seen no disrespect to Indiana Wesleyan and Travis and all those guys. I've never seen a team so blatantly delay as much as they have slow their bleeding and stop the run. Um, as a coach, that was pretty cool. Um, as a big first like statement game, we still lost the game. We ran out of time, but uh, it was still fun. Yeah, you've had uh, you've had quite the career, no question about it. You are now part of the AUDL's uh, diversity group. Can you talk about how you uh, you got on to that and what what your role is in in within that group? Yeah, um, that was uh, just kind of kind of interesting how that played out. Kind of like the free pizza story. Um, Steve Hall and I have connections because he is the former owner or one of the former owners of Charlie Express. Um, and I remember I reached out to him just to kind of check in and see how he's doing. And he said, hey, while you're here, I thought about you the other day. Uh, there's a diversity committee, and he and I had some conversations about it with Charlotte. Um, and he said, I think you'd be, I think you would be able to add some value to this, to this group. Um, so I thought I'd on, not really realizing that it was a bunch, full of a bunch of current players. Um, so it makes me feel even more washed. That, um, I, think, I think we put out a, a, a message, and it's, it's got everybody's name, current team they're playing with, and then in parentheses, I'm the only one that has this. In parentheses, next to my name, it says retired. Um, <laughs> but it's, uh, it was fun. Uh, it's, it's, a, it's a really cool group. Um, I, it, it, at the time, it was, it was a good way for me to fill time during our stay-at-home order, quarantine kind of thing with COVID. Um, but I, I jumped in and started trying to help out some more. So I don't really know how much I'm allowed to share that we're working on. We're, we're working on some big stuff. Uh, we did uh, had a and we the group as a whole put together the big uh, uh, the panel with Gabe Fernandez leading uh, a couple of weeks ago. Um, I want to see you raise sixty-seven thousand uh, dollars. But it's just, it's cool to be part of. Uh, it's, it's it's cool to be part of a. They're experiencing a bad storm in North Carolina right now tonight, and uh, and uh, the, uh, the, the we're, we're having a little bit of technical difficulty, so please bear with us. Um, but uh, yeah, uh, Ken Ken had to uh, pause the podcast to help clean up some some storm uh, damage, perhaps in his yard. How how are you h- hanging in down there with the family right now? Oh, we're good. We're we're staying staying busy. Uh, like I said, I got a two year old. She runs our house, uh, and, <laughs> and if you don't follow along with what she what she wants you to do, she will tell you. So and then that, and then and then the wife. So I get I have two bosses at home. Uh, I got a boss at work. Uh, uh, Dave, <laughs> going back to Davidson, that's I'm the boss there, so that works out well. Uh, but you know we're doing we're doing well. We're staying busy. Uh, we all love each other a bunch. Find different ways to have fun all the time. One of the things that I was <laughs> curious about. <laughs> Ken, you, um, you know, you, the AUDL started this diversity committee in, at, did it March? Yeah. Right. And, and in, um, in, you know, the end of May, race became at the forefront of all the discussions and yeah, of everything. And I mean, I'm sure that there are people there and there are people who, you know, have been saying for forever like this is a real problem we need to change it now but now that it's a it's a bigger deal i mean i know you can't talk about you know some of the things that you have in the works because you, you'll talk about them more probably when they're all worked out but how did that 
how has that like kind of changed the scope and the purview of what you guys are trying to do? Yeah, um, I will. Uh, I, I, jerk, I was actually talking to one of my cousins up in uh, in Chicago. Sorry, he's in Atlanta now. Um, uh, so to that, he signed up for the Navy in 2003 uh, on September 10th, and the very next day, September 11th, happened for 01. Um, so I, I I think that's kind of what what I'm going through with uh, with the AUDL's AAI or AII. Um, so I, I signed up kind of hoping to, to lend my perspective and experience, um, but it's not just you know, not just racial uh, equity and ultimate, but just kind of it. Ultimate is such a weird conglomeration of different types of people. So uh, just trying to find a way that we could all work together. So uh, we, as an ultimate community, we, we a lot of times say that we're super accepting, but if you kind of watch, uh, I'll use Twitter for example. Not always. <laughs> Um, so that was one of the cool things that I was looking forward to uh, when I joined back in March. Uh, and then fast forward to May, so some of the things we're looking at are, are not all. Well, a lot of them are, are racially focused. Um, not all of them are. So it's from different things about how to attract a more diverse background uh, of players. Uh, not just so when I say diverse, I don't just mean it like the color of their skin, but how do we get uh, how do we get high basketball players to join to join our ultimate? How do we get um, uh, how do we how do we get someone of, of a certain career? Like how do we get a banker to like pick up a pick up a disc as their like weekend activity? How do we get um, gay, straight, whatever? How how do we get more people of different backgrounds to play ultimate? And then we'll do that. How do we get them to, to feel comfortable? Uh, and then, you know, at the ABL level, how do we get them to be as good as possible? Um, so we're all thinking about things like that. Thinking about like how to do how to do the same for such as how to create pipelines for for the team um, uh, to bring in more talent. Whether like what are, what are customers other than the ABL or what do they want to see? I think. A, uh, an unexpected benefit of at home and quarantine orders because there was so much open shown on TV that it kind of piqued people's interest. Like, oh, what is this? Like, like am I going to watch Korean baseball? Or am I going to watch cornhole? Or am I, am I going to watch this open? Um, so I, it's actually got the point where my, my mother in law was calling me telling me about, hey, they're showing another ADL game. It's Dallas versus Clever. And I was like, oh, I guess she's never, never ever called me.
I try not to talk about myself too much. Uh, I try to focus on them. Uh, like, actually, more times than not, when people find out about how much I played Ultimate or how at what level I, I was able to reach, they kind of have to find it out on their own. Um, but at the same time, I still, uh, like, one of the schools that we go to, uh, we just a school that happens once uh, once a summer, back
uh, for lack of a better word, suck it up and do what you need to because the entire world wants live sports to just be okay with be okay with hanging out with the 20 people you're allowed to for four months. Um, so the frustrated version of me wants to say that, but I also get as, as a human why you know, like you want that flexibility to just go to the grocery store or uh, NBA guys probably aren't doing that, but to do to do whatever it is you want to do whenever you want to do it. Um, so I, if it if if that works, that's how the you know league has to get happen. Um, I think hopefully the players have some some input. Um, yeah, I don't know. I mean, it'd, be, it'd be cool to see. I don't. I don't. I don't really know if I'm here with it or against it. Um, but yeah, you know, like I'm, I'm working. I'm forward facing with the public now. My job. Um, so I, while I don't, I didn't. They, were, they didn't tell me to, to live in a bubble. I kind of created a bubble for myself just because, just to keep my my family as safe as I could. Um, but you know, it's up to you. Like if it's for me, as a social person, I would much rather go out and hang out with the guys. But. I would put my family in there, but choose not to. Yeah. I mean, I think something that, that is kind of lost in the discussion around the AUDL is that we're not the NBA or the NFL in that there isn't – it's not a multi-billion dollar industry. And maybe one day it will be. But And that, the play, like, part of the problem and part of the reason these leagues want to come back is that, you know, they're, uh, they're playing for – you know, millions and millions of dollars the players are, and they don't want to yeah. lose that, the back end of that contract. I think in the AUDL, the players are playing because they want to, right? I mean, the money just is not there for most people to support. Yeah. You know, so I, I don't I, – I think for the AUDL plan to work at all, it's because they think, for whatever reason, there's a lot of buy-in by the players. To that point, it's almost like you should use – College football uh, as a as a as a measuring stick, uh, where like you know clearly well I guess we're in the process of changing that, but these kids don't make money for playing college football. They're doing it because either they love college football or like this is their ticket to you know, maybe one day get some money for their family. But the percentage of kids that make it to the NFL from college football is very slim. Um, but a lot of them are doing it for the love of the game. Um, so while CTE and like paralysis, all those other things are like real, they're real uh, risks of playing college football or football in general. A lot of them, they're clearly still willing to do it. Um, so, and in this COVID situation, kind of the same thing, like what are some college football players are still 100% in, like I want to play football and then some are like, you know what, I don't know if I want to risk this. Um, so what does that do for their, like they're getting scholarships, AVL isn't giving scholarships. Um but it's, I mean, you just got to weigh the risk reward. Right. And, and also, I mean, for those college programs, it, they're built on these multi-million dollar uh, right, TV deals, the same as, as we are. And the, the players don't see that. Or the, play, the same as other sports are, and the players don't see it. But in, in that way, like the players aren't, they're, they're not making the decision with that in mind, just like the ADL right. players aren't. Um, but in the ADL, I think there's even more control by the players because there isn't like, a monolithic organization with huge amounts of, you know, money stake in this. I mean, the people who have invested in it have invested a lot, but it's right. not on the same level. Yeah. The players have, I think, even more control um, than in college. But that's a good point. It's very similar. All right. Yeah. So 
speaking of college athletes, I, I did a lot of Googling of, of you. And I, <laughs> I ended up on this deep dive, and I'm reading through this Reddit thread from, like, 2016 maybe, and I'm okay. trying to figure out, like, why is this – why did this send it to me? Like, why in the world? Because you're not mentioned anywhere on it, I thought. And the thread is, like, I'm from Colorado. Do you think that if you gave the Denver Nuggets four weeks to train for Frisbee and, and you gave them the best coach and you assume that they're putting in like an NBA training day's worth of uh, regimen, but for Frisbee, do you think that they could beat Johnny Bravo? And all the comments are like, yes, 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 obviously. <laughs> they're very pro. They're very anti Bravo here. I don't know if it was like the time or whatever, but the, um, but at, at finally, I guess the bottom is like Ken Porter ran a four, five, six at, uh, and that's like that would be slow by NFL standards. Do you think like, and and they didn't mention that you had done this at the end of the second at, at the end of Nationals. It's like that is that is. I yeah, I don't, I don't think that part away. was shared. <laughs> I'm blown away that that's the timing. Do you think yeah. that's true? Do you do you think like, let's say we'll take the the heyday of the ring. Do you guys think you would have lost to the Charlotte Hornets? Uh, in 2016, let me think of who's this. This current edition of the Charlotte Hornets, I'm gonna say we not no no way we don't we don't lose to them. Uh especially <laughs> especially no Kemba. There's no chance. Um I'm from Yukon. Uh, I, I do think Kemba would have figured out a way to win. <laughs> yeah. So I so fun okay, side story. Uh, the uh the, the facility that I've gone and done my, my physical therapy at um is with a with a specialist that is very well connected. Um, so the, the last time I spent some time in there was for a torn PCL, um, and uh, they end up, it's, you know, it's just regular people, like, you know, there's 40-year-olds in there that, you know, that have whatever injury that 40, 50-year-olds get. Uh, there's middle school kids that are Tommy Johns already for baseball, um, and then there's, like, NFL and NBA guys. So whenever this happened, it was I was in there, and they grouped me uh, for my training sessions with Mario Chalmers. Um, uh, Steve Smith, who was recovering from his Achilles tear. Um, Kimba came in, but he wasn't grouped with us. There's a guy named Tobias Palmer that played football at NC State as well. Um, I think he was on the practice squad for the Panthers. And uh, and Frank Alexander, who was also on the Panthers as, as a defensive end. So, like, the four or five of us were all working out together. And granted, we're all, we're all injured. Those are big bodies to move, with the, with the exception of Mario. Um, basketball bodies are built a little bit different. Um, I, I think I think an ultimate game with a, with an elite club team and uh, uh, an NBA team. I think it'd be a really fun game to watch. Uh, it would be like your, uh, I guess the, the the NFL showcase games where they play at halftime. Um, but I think the uh, the skill level of the top club teams would eventually pay off. Uh, like when you when you're in college and you scrimmage a master's team and you think like, oh, we're so much more athletic. There's no way we're going to lose these guys, but you almost always lose. Like mm-hmm. so, something like that. Yeah, that makes sense. Would you if you were if you were the coach of the club team here? Do you think you'd come right out in the zone and try and confuse them, or would you, <laughs> would you save it? Uh, I would have thought of, yeah, absolutely. We're coming out in the zone, and we're going to do only zone the entire game. So three man cup, two man cup, no man, uh, uh, no mark zone. We're gonna have to... <laughs> good call. Really, you should coach. Really throw a loop. <laughs> well, 
I'm no I'm no Ken Porter or uh, Steve Leiner, but I try. Uh, I just I just guess and check. It's not it's not anything scientific to me. Yeah. Uh, uh, well, that's my uh, that's what I got, Steve. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, uh, Ken, do you have any questions for us? Uh, well, shoot, I had one, um, and I blanked on it because the person next to me wasn't able to drive it. Um, shoot, no, I guess I'm good. <laughs> All right. All right. Well, for Alexander Shaggy Stragas and for Ken Porter, I'm Steve Leinert. Thanks for joining us for another episode of The Burning Bird.